The founder of Buddhism lived about two and a half thousand years ago and dedicated his life to discovering the cause of suffering and how to alleviate it. Uh, and core to his discovery was that suffering is caused by an attachment to things, to desires, uh, and the loss that results, or the, the pain that results from the loss of the things to which we're attached. And part of Buddhism's teaching is to be able to avoid suffering by reducing attachment, or even going to the point of eliminating attachment to anything else. Um, and of course, there's so many valuable techniques and, and methodology that are, are taught in those practices. But the fundamental underlying philosophy is so different and opposite to that of the Torah. Because, of course, none of us want pain, none of us want discomfort and suffering, uh, and we would all like to manage with, without it. Uh, but at the end of the day, people who have congenital analgesia, which is a, a condition where, where you're born without the capacity to, to feel pain, don't have a very long life expectancy. We can't live without pain and without suffering to some degree. And more than that, uh, we say in, in Tehillim, Happy is the man, fortunate is the man whom Hashem uh, causes suffering to, causes some discomfort to. And again, it's not that we invite suffering, but we do realize that we're in, when we're in situations of discomfort and suffering, we're in dialogue with Hashem. Hashem is communicating to us. He's telling us that something we're doing needs to be reassessed, that some aspect of our life needs to be re-evaluated, modified, changed. That's what pain and discomfort is. It enables us to notice that we're doing something wrong or in some way living in a way that isn't right. So we wouldn't want a, a life without any kind of suffering and certainly not a life without attachment. Uh, our whole philosophy is one of attachment, is one of ownership. And to own something, you need to invest in something. And yes, when you invest in something and you own it, you do run the risk of loss. And with loss, there is pain and there is discomfort. But nevertheless, we, we see how important it is. We learned just a couple of days ago the piece of Kerenora that uh, brought in on the brocha that Reb Shimon ben Tachlata gave to the son of Rebbe, that you may you avoid shame. And the Kerenora explained as um, uh, we, the Emunas and Videos of Psadjugon. Uh, talks about it and others, that the whole purpose of life is to avoid nama diksufa, bread of shame. Bread of shame is a handout, something that's given to you. We say in the Gemara, a person would rather have one measure of his own well-earned reward than nine measures of a handout. Of course, things are very different today, and that's part of what the Western world is suffering from, that, that many people today would rather have one measure of handout rather than nine measures of something they've worked for. But, but in, uh, from a Torah perspective, there's such value in being able to benefit from something that you've worked for, something that you have made an effort to achieve. And our whole work in this world is to work for the reward that we get in the world to come that we have invested effort, that we've lived a life of Torah and mitzvot, that we've mastered ourselves and overcome our Yetzirah, that we've learned Torah, studied Torah, and grown in Torah, all the investment that, that, we've, that we've made so that our reward is our own, that it's something that, that we do own and that we have earned. 
Uh, and this idea of ownership is is something that we touch on in the Gemara on the last Amud of the first Perik of Moed Cotton on Yud Aleph and Mud Aleph. There's a case there where Bedita Levai Kavri, the Bedita River overflowed, and as a result of that, on the banks of the river, it deposited large quantities of fish. And as a result of that, Azil Kuli Al Matsud, everybody went out to try and catch as many of the fish as they could. And this was on Cholamoyed Yomtev. Aitu Kavra, they brought the fish home. Sharaluhu, Rava, Lemimlech Minayu, they went to ask Rava, Shaila, because they had brought so much fish back that they couldn't consume it during the period of Yomtev. They now wanted to salt and pickle the fish so that they would have it for later on. We're talking about times long before there was a form of refrigeration. And so pickling and salting was one of the ways that people were able to preserve their food. So now they had this huge volume of fish. They weren't able to consume it all on, on Pesach. It's interesting. They collected initially with the intention of eating it during Yom Tov. Um, but th- that's what happened. You've seen it at buffet tables how people that uh, see a, bu- a buffet table with abundant food on it tend to fill their plates with, plates with volumes of food that they couldn't possibly consume, even if they had much more time than they do have at the Simcha, at the particular affair where the buffet is. That's what people tend to do. And this was a fish buffet uh, on the side of the river, just as much fish as they wanted. And they took too much. So they asked Rova, it's Cholamoyed, can we salt the fish? Can we, can we pickle the fish? Uh, Rova said yes, he allowed it. Omale Abaya, Abaya questioned Rova and said, Vatsnan, didn't we learn that Kvashin Kofshan? In our own Mishnah, haven't we just learned that you can only pickle and salt things that you're going to use during Cholamoid? Omale, he said to them, Since initially they only went and brought back fish which they thought they could eat during Cholamoid, they didn't go to get the fish, to get large volumes of fish, more than they would be able to use. It just so happens they took more than they could consume. And if we leave it and, and don't allow them to pickle it, then this will be lost and it'll be like a business that, that goes to loss. And we learned yesterday that when a loss is in town, when there is loss, uh, during Cholamoid, we're allowed to do what is needed to protect ourselves from that loss, to avoid the loss. And therefore, Vishari, it's permitted. Uh, the Rosh, and you'll remember how important the Rosh is as the, the beginning of the change from the Tosfatists, those who analyzed the Gemara, to the Halachists, those who started extracting the Halachic principles from the, from the Gemara. And the Rosh is... One of the first at the Talmud of the Maharam Rotenberg, he's one of the first who takes the Gemara and uh, extracts from it the halachic principles that are important to know. In so doing, on this particular piece of Gemara that we've just learned, he brings the Ravid. And the Ravid asks, in what way is this different from the Yerushalmi, where we learn that Yaakov Bar Acha B'Shem Rabbi Yossi says, Hadash Shayarta Shari Lemizban Mina B'Moada. If there's a case where the market comes every Monday and Thursday, let us say, so we've said you can't really go and trade in the market because you can do it after Yom if there's no reason to do it. Now there's no loss involved. However, the Yerushalmi says, if there's a passing caravan of business people who are in the town at, at the market only this week, and after Yom Tif they're not going to be there, 
then you're allowed to go and trade with those people on on Cholamoid because it's a case of potential loss. loss. And Almas is the uh, the Here too, even though they can't eat all the fish on Yom Tif, they should have even been allowed to go out initially and get as much fish as they're able to get because this is like a passing caravan. This is a passing opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. All these fish are dumped. There's this amazing buffet of fish. Take as much as you want. Surely we should allow them to take as much as they can because this is a passing opportunity uh, and it's, it's not going to be available next week. The Tirets and the Rivet answered, answers, This is really a case of Metziah. Metziah means you found something, you hit it lucky, you won a lottery. It's an event that just happens. It's not your business. It's not a business opportunity. It's just winning a lottery. And when you win something that you haven't worked for, says the, the, the Ravid, leka shump seder, that's not called loss. It's just missing an opportunity to, to make a little bit more. But if it's one's business that you've invested thought into and you've invested capital into, there if we don't let you take advantage of a business opportunity, you're actually diminishing the effectiveness and the value of your business and that we can't do on Cholamoid. And in this idea of the of the rivets that the Rosh brings, we actually see how something that you haven't invested in, yes, when you lose something, it's terrible. And we're so worried that your mind is going to be taken up with lost during Cholamoid that we're willing to let you go and do your business so that you don't worry about all the loss that is occurring. But when you stand to lose something you didn't invest in gaining in the first place, it just came to you free and easy, that loss is not so painful because you don't have the same level of, of attachment to it. You haven't invested it. You don't own it to the same degree. And we see in Torah over and over again how much value is placed on owning something, whether it's owning one's accomplishments, whether it's owning one's business, whether it's owning property, anything that one, one owns it has enormous value attached to that. And, and that idea of ownership through investment is important. Uh, take, for example, the, the, the case of, of Kiddushin. A man establishes a relationship with a, with a woman and they build a, a family together. How, what initiates that? One of the initiations is Kenyan Kes. If he gives her a gold ring under the chuppah, there is tangible investment. It's not just an expression of love. There's a tangible investment. He gives her something that is tangible. That's an investment in her that creates the bond and that creates that sense of, of ownership um, that, that comes through that interaction. And so it is with, with situations like even belonging to a shul. I often say it's so important if you want to belong to a shul, you don't want to just be a casual person that drops in and out and takes from the shul but doesn't give back or takes from a base medrash but doesn't give back. One doesn't want to be just the receiver. One wants to be an investor in it. One wants to be a member. One wants to be a shareholder in an organization. And to become a member, it's not just by by taking. It's not just by getting a free kiddush and listening to a few free shear and getting a free chazan. The way one becomes a member is by putting something into it. And it doesn't matter how, how much or how little one puts in and whether it's through 
putting money in or putting one's time in or, or effort, some contribution to make um, to the things we want to belong to and the things we want some ownership in. And here we see how we treat a metzia different from a business in, in the Rivet's answer. A metzia, something which has come to you free, is not yours to the same degree. And therefore, it's not something that you own to the same degree. And at the same time, something that you've invested in, pragmatia, your business, is something that you own. And there is pain of loss. And it's something that is meaningful to you. And the halacha takes uh, the cognizance of that and makes sure to allow what you need to do to protect your loss. Uh, the, the one element that this also brings in is if one does want to develop the ability to be a little less attached to one's material uh, objects, to one's material possessions and accomplishments, a good way to look at it is to see it as somewhat of a mitzvah. Even though, yes, it is mine and I've invested and I've worked hard and in that sense it's mine. But on the other hand, there's been siyat adishmaya, Hashem has helped me far in excess of the effort that I've put into it. And therefore, there is an element also of metzia, of good fortune, of Hashem giving me something. And that makes it a little bit easier to dispose of our, our assets when we want to do that for the purposes of mitzvot and of, and of tzedakah. And finding that balance of ownership and release of ownership is so important in the way we relate to money and to tangible assets.